This is Rugga Matrix America. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com, along with Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, back again to talk a little bit about the USA 7s, a little bit about club rugby, and uh, we're excited to be here. We also want to thank our sponsors for the show, including uh, Rugby Imports and Hooker Wines from the Lauer family of wines and the rugby site. And we've just done the USA 7s, so the USA 7s is no longer a sponsor, and we're looking ahead now to the USA 7s Collegiate Rugby Championship in June, and they are supporting the show as well. Now, before we get into everything, we do have some sad news, and, and I'm sure that you've heard about it now, uh, but if you haven't, uh, five uh, young rugby players were driving on their way home from uh, Las Vegas after playing, uh, well, actually four of them were rugby players, one was a friend uh, or uh, and a sibling, and they were also in a band together, and they, uh, I, I believe they, they performed in, in Las Vegas, and they were driving home, and they were in a terrible car accident. Four of them died. And one of them is in the hospital, and uh, the the Moa family is uh, devastated. Uh, they've lost three of their own, um, and it's and it's a real terrible tragedy. Uh, the the families involved are uh, they, they need some help from us because they they need they have funeral expenses, uh, unexpected funeral expenses for four wonderful uh, teenagers, uh, part of the Oakland rugby family and if you want to donate go to gofundme.com g-o-f-u-n-d-m-e.com and search for four oakland angels and you'll be able to donate to them uh to their families to help them be put to rest and uh and you know uh Really, a terrible tragedy. It's it's nice to see a lot of people involved in rugby in the Bay Area, and and further afield, uh, get behind these families. I think it was insane, in horrible, horrible tragedy. But the rugby community tends to come together when they're needed. I know Mike Tolkien wrote a a letter asking people to help the the families and. A couple other people had said if, you know, if people gave $5 or, or whatever, if everybody just did that, then everything would pretty much be alleviated and paid for. So if you have something to give, I would encourage you to give it. If you don't have anything to give, as Mike Tolkien wrote in his letter, I would encourage that you give them your prayers and and give them your thoughts and, and give them, you know, positive energy. So it, there's nothing that can be said to... Uh, to change this and hopefully the rugby community can come through. It's an awful tragedy. Um, the rugby community will come through. I'm confident of that. And this is the second podcast in a row where we've opened up talking about a tragedy within the rugby community. And I'll just, last time we talked about it, I didn't uh, have the information, but I'll throw it out real quick. Uh, Shane Byrne, the uh, head coach of Missouri science and technology, a division two college team uh, in Southeast Missouri um, passed away unexpectedly in his sleep at the age of 29 leaving behind a young wife and a, and a, and a child. And uh, if you want to donate money to that cause, he has a memorial fund set up. You can go to phelpscountybank.com. Phelps is in Michael Phelps. phelpscountybank.com. And uh, get the address. You can send a check-in um, and just write Shane Burn Memorial Fund in the memo line, and it'll it'll get to the family. But um, it's, it's, it's awful when you lose uh, people that you know or people that are in your, like, community and, 
unfortunately we've had a couple back-to-back hits well we do have you know we, we deal with young people a lot in in the rugby community so uh that they run into you know, the, 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 i guess i guess when bad things happen it's a real shock because they're so young and you know in addition you know people driving a long way to go play rugby and driving a long way to come back from rugby events uh, unfortunately some things will happen uh, because the roads are dangerous uh, try to be careful out there um, we don't know what happened and really in the end the only thing that matters is that uh, we have uh, families that people know and care about who are grieving uh, we'll be right back here on Rugga Matrix America. Hey fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. Hi, this is Glenn Thomas with the University of Delaware. We'll be competing this June in Philadelphia at the CRCs. Don't miss out. You can check it out at USA7CRC.com. Go Delaware. Well, we're back on Rugged Matrix America, and we are talking about a bunch of things. And first of all, before we jump into everything, uh, Bruce, Pat, how I, I know you guys actually got involved in rugby i didn't i didn't do anything related to rugby other than report on it this weekend but pat you were you ran an entire tournament which is 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 an awesome tournament goofy kind of tournament and and bruce i know you went to see a game so pat tell us a little bit about your your weekend uh yeah the club uh i'm affiliated with kansas city rogues here in uh well i guess kansas city we have a tournament every winter uh it's an indoor tournament we play on an indoor soccer field um, and it's sevens, so but it's obviously a, a tiny field, so it's a lot more forwards oriented, crash balls, you know, kind of some uh, stuff that you probably do for forwards drills in your practice. And it's a really fun tournament. We line the walls with pads, and uh, we we pack the place. There's a bar in the venue, and we get a really good crowd, and it's really fun. And we get to play rugby at a time of year where in our area you don't usually get to play rugby. And uh, the University of Central Missouri won the college night for like the umpteenth time ever. They almost always win out of the college division. And the Franklin County Crimson, a uh, rural team out of uh, eastern Missouri, won the uh, the men's club side. So nice. It's, uh, it was a lot of fun. Bruce, what were you up to? You, you went to see a game. I did a lot of cool stuff. I was in, <laughs> I went to Xavier's practice on Friday where I'm Justin Hunley's assistant coach with with John Kelly and Nick O'Shea on the JV team and they had an alumni dinner or not an alumni dinner they had a, a team dinner what so because a lot of kids 140 kids on the team so they did is they had two seniors two juniors two sophomores two freshmen and one of the board of trustees who I used to coach at Xavier is a guy named Billy Kelly who's pretty active with St. Bonaventure so I was I was talking to uh, Clarence Picard and, and Mike McNerney and Billy Kelly about recruiting from Xavier Fordham and Greenwich to St. Bonaventures, where they have a, quite a bit of scholarships, actually. And so if anybody's a high school rugby player or a high school rugby coach or interested, St. Bonaventure has some scholarship opportunities. And so I got to see everybody there. Then I was talking to Sean Duffy down at St. Joe's. He has a lot of stuff going on with with his team and 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 a and a pretty good vision as to what he wants to do with uh, with St. Joe's. And then I I went to we had a little practice. It was 
it, we had a forwards practice because the weather hasn't been particularly great for us. And right outside of Brian Doyle and Seth Cohen's apartment is like a 30 by 30 turf field. So we were able to do line outs and scrum setups and just and just little things that we need to do organizationally that sometimes it's difficult to speak at practice or difficult to get a lot of, oh, you could do a lot of work, and but it's sometimes it's so cold and so windy that it, it's hard to just go through and talk about things because people get cold. So we use that as an opportunity. And Pat Fife, who's one of our props, is the coach of Iona College. So I was like, ah, I want to go to the game. Does anyone want to go? And I went to the bar with a couple guys afterward for a beer or two. Then I went up to Iona's game, and I'm so glad I went. It was fantastic. I saw so many Iona alumni, some of whom I played with, some of whom I coached. Uh, a bunch of guys on our team are, are assistant coaches for Pat, and they played UPenn. And it was absolutely fantastic. A fantastic atmosphere, unbelievable field. They got rid of the football team, so rugby is, is a very primary sport right in the middle of campus. I had an amazing time. Iona played fantastically well. Uh, Rob Tobin from Xavier is a is the, one of the captains of the team. And so it was really, I really enjoyed my day. And then yesterday I got to read Facebook at night where Pat was very disappointed with Missouri basketball. Uh, <laughs> I personally could care less, but I, I felt bad for Pat because I know that it means a whole lot to him. And then I just watched a lot of rugby. I watched the Harlequins Lester. I watched that. It's worth watching the, the Rebels and uh, it's worth watching the Rebels and the, and the Western Force. I wouldn't watch the Reds and the Brumbies. And then I, I did watch it. That's why I'm telling you I wouldn't. And and I'm in the process of watching as we were going to do this show. I was in the process of watching Gloucester, Gloucester and Wasps. But yeah, so my my family's away. They're on Cape Cod in the snow. So I'm I'm kind of sitting here by myself doing a whole lot of nothing. Seems like you, that's that is a whole lot of nothing, uh, and and I'm I can't give you a report because all I did was report about rugby, but uh, you know I I really someday, and I kind of wish I was younger and I could go play in that tournament, Pat, because that sounds like uh, a a great time and and not having to cover so much ground playing sevens is uh, is good yeah, too. It's, it's about the only time a fat guy like me is uh, gets to play sevens. It's actually really really fun. Did Pat you, also ate sushi this weekend. Tess also ate sushi. <laughs> and that's that's a pretty exciting thing in and of itself. It's a, it's a, a new it's branching out, out of Pat's, uh, you know, broadening his horizons. Out in Missouri, they just usually call that bait. All right, we we should we should talk about some broader things and uh, and and I guess the, the the first thing is where this is the first show after the USA Sevens. USA Sevens was a, a very successful event. Uh, the 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 attendance was up again. Um, I think if you ask the organizers if they wanted they want to see big improvement, they probably want to see big improvement on uh, on Friday night, which is still sort of um, an event that people are sort of getting into. They're suddenly realizing that that the thing starts two pool games on Friday night. Uh, and you really, it's really fun actually, because it's really just getting it going. But overall over 67,000 over the, over the, the three days, another improvement. Uh, some of the games that were there were some really, really thrilling games. Um, and, and just off the top of my head, uh, the USA versus Spain game where the USA had to win by 14 to make the cup round and they won by 15 on, on 
a uh, last minute try and conversion. That was obviously very exciting to see. And then you look at uh, the the one of the plate semifinals and two of the cup semifinals going into overtime, and then the third fourth game going into overtime, uh, 36 to 31 Samoa beating Fiji. Uh, tremendous rugby to be seen. Uh, what did you guys think? Uh, well, that Fiji, that Fiji Samoa game was fantastic. Uh, it's always fun when those guys play. You can tell there's like an extra buzz in the stadium when when they play because they have such large uh, and, and passionate fan contingents. But um, they put on a fantastic show. Uh, and I watched it again when I got home, and it was just as fun to watch them as it was live. And, of course, uh, you know, <laughs> having a parachuter jump in uh, <laughs> right at, in overtime made it a little more exciting, too. Yeah, I, well, I was watching on TV at the time, and I didn't know whether or not that guy was getting locked up because you, you didn't see him with a ball until second shot. So it just looked like some guy was parachuting in, and, and the announcers had no idea either. And then it was like, what the heck? So it was funny when you knew you knew he was part of the show when he didn't get locked up immediately. Um, but it was it was crazy. The thing that impressed me more, more so than anything not, not even having been there, but having spoken to some of the people who participated, was the LVI. The so there was there was a lot of great rugby to be had at the international, which you totally would expect anyway, because it 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 is, and and sevens has seemingly evened out more so that teams can beat each other now, and as you can see, maybe that they, they don't actually get the result, but some of the some of the tier two or or lower lower pool. Look, what do they call core seven teams? Lower core seven teams are able to either win games or or come quite close. The U.S. even comes quite close, and it's just been unfortunate. So, like, but the thing that really impressed me was the LVI and and the amount of the teams that go there and try to impress in sevens and the collegiate teams who go and have challenge matches in fifteens. Having been there, my dad was in the hospital again. <clears throat> Seems like he's always in the hospital during this. But uh, having been there a few years ago and, and seeing some of the great 15s games that were there and, and matched in with some of the sevens games, I think that now it's probably seemingly a way bigger, way better tournament and, and a way better venue for guys to be able to showcase. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And I think that that's going to help your Friday attendance or our Friday attendance because I guess we're all in the same company. Um, so that's, that's pretty, that's the thing that to me was, was huge. You know, I, I love the LVI. You guys felt being there. I mean, you probably were so work overworked that you didn't get a whole oh, lot of sleep. Oh my goodness. We, we didn't get a whole lot of sleep. We did, I, 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 for me anyway, I didn't watch a whole lot of rugby. It seemed like I was doing something else, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I made a point of watching as much of the high school as I could. And, and I really was impressed not only with, First of all, think about the high school All-Americans. They, you know, these are a bunch of kids who really they don't play sevens. They show up. They've been training for a, a few days. They they win the tournament. They beat British Columbia, which assembles regularly and uh, concentrates on sevens for this tournament. They beat them. Actually, they beat them pretty well in the stadium in front of 30,000 people. That was pretty impressive. But more impressive to me was the second level of high school boys, more boys than girls at the moment, but the second level of the high school uh, boys sevens was that 
I, I saw a lot of really good games. I saw uh, Tennessee kids who were giving away a lot in size and perhaps a little bit in athleticism, but they could play. Uh, Southern California, really, really good combination of being able to play sevens and be athletes. And Harriman brought in two sides. They looked really good. And these these are teams that decided that they were going to go to a sevens tournament and not just goof around, but actually try to play sevens rugby in the second tier. And I was really impressed. There were some impressive bodies out there. I mean, even for, you know, like the Utah Cannibals and, and um, the Washington Loggers, they were in the top <laughs> tier of the high school. But even, I mean, there were some impressive looking young players with, you know, guys that are either have an Eagle body or going to have one pretty soon. Um, so, you know, hats off to, to, to the high school America crew and some of those coaches who have really done a good job of kind of weeding out some of those, or finding some of those players. There's a kid from the Washington loggers whose legs are like the size of mine, but they're actually lean and muscly. Yeah. So, he's, he's huge. There's, there's talk that he's going to an Academy position in the UK. Uh, so hopefully that'll work out for him, but, but he is uh, massive. Um, can I, I just want to give a shout out also to the EA lions, a Hawaiian team. They did very well in the men's uh, aces competition. But the other thing was they were just standing around minding their own business. And I go up to them and tell them that I need the event program unloaded out of the back of my car right now. They came over and uh, actually they were very funny because they started having competitions to see how many of these magazines people, any one of them could carry at one time. But they helped me out a great deal. And um, I, I appreciate that. And they played really well. So uh, thanks a lot, Laie Lions out of Hawaii. Well, OK, so 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 we're, ha we're happy about that. We're happy about that event. Um, we're happy about sort of the forward thinking uh, uh, aspect of coaches really trying to to develop the sevens in this country. Let's talk about the USA national team. Um, because they, in the end, they went one and four, but they the one game they won uh, because of the way the, the pool went, they, they ended up tied one and two with two other teams with Australia who didn't, who looked terrific in the first game against the USA and then didn't look good at all. Uh, and Spain and Going into that game against Spain, the USA needed to win by 14 points to pull themselves out of a hole and 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 get into the top uh, top bracket by points difference, and they managed to do that. And Nick Edwards and I I don't know if I've I really haven't fallen all over myself praising Nick Edwards the last couple of years, but he made a terrific run to set up a try for Shalom Suniula and then made another great run to score and, and did it the most he could to try and circle around to make that conversion easier for, for Lao Niua. And then Niua hit the conversion for them to get to the top eight. I thought that was a great step for them. Um, and I guess if I'm going to be negative at all, guys, the, the issue is that there are so many games they play that they're so close and yet they they either they blow it or they just they just can't get there. And how frustrating is that to see that? And and I don't know if it's one thing. Talked to Paul True. He talked about the 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 USA team needing some kind of get get past some kind of mental barrier, and that's probably true. They need to get some past something to be able to win those close games. I don't know what it is. Well, I think there's a couple different kinds of close games. There's the close games where. Yeah, they shouldn't have been close, and you should have won by more. And there's close games where he actually played really well, and just because of the bounce of the ball or a mistake here or there, 
it was a close game, and I think that's what the close games were against, you know, Samoa and against um, Fiji. I think that's what those close games were, the close losses in Vegas, whereas, you know, the close loss to Canada was because you didn't come out of the gate at all and you had uh, a mistake in a, in a conversion. Um, so I think you could take something from the close losses from Fiji and Samoa, not so much from Canada. I mean, you take some positivity from it, but I think that that's the difference between this tournament. And I think by and large, um, the U.S. played better sevens in this tournament than they have the entire season. Because though they've had some close losses throughout the entire season, um, I don't think that they were as consistently playing as consistently, uh, you know, competitive wise and, and with a good standard and to the pattern um, or to their game plan as they did this this last weekend in Vegas. I thought they they did well there in that terms, but the close losses are are really frustrating, and you still have to look at the results. Um, but I do I do think that there was a visible improvement. I'm interested to see what Bruce has to say because Bruce, this is probably your first look at the Eagles this season, wasn't it? Yeah, this was my first look at the Eagles, no doubt. Um, I would have to say that I do agree with Paul True that there's a mental component to it. I also agree with the point that it may not be. The main thing is, unless you focus completely on sevens and you want to be a sevens Olympian or you want to be a sevens champion and you're not thinking and you don't have two minds, it's very difficult to achieve at a high level. So I think that there are people, I think that there's still a sevens and fifteens mind. And I think that, you know, there's, there's, there's the, the look as to what can I get in fifteens? What can I get in sevens? Where does, where is the game going to take me? That kind of thing. And, and I think that until it gets ironed out that it's going to be dead out sevens or dead out fifteens, we're going to struggle to win close games. Just, I, I do believe that they're different games. And I do believe that being in two minds does not allow you to concentrate your focus on on a goal. And, 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 and those, it's little things that add up, little half percenters or one percenters that add up to be the things that either so so I I'm sorry are you are you saying that that certain players on the USA team um, are not fully invested in sevens because they're also thinking about playing fifteens? I think that I think that by by natural it, it's natural that it has to be. I, I, I it's natural that it has to be. Mm-hmm. Now now and what one of the re, one of the reasons the, for, what, okay one of the reasons for that. Um, is that we don't have enough depth in this country, right? So, so we're we can't afford to free up twenty guys to just play sevens. You know? Can I? Can right? I? Is yeah, that no? That's that's not true. We okay. we have <clears throat> we have plenty of depth in this country. There's three hundred million people here. We have plenty of people who can play. There's not a lot of money in it, and so no. when the guys who go down to play sevens at the Olympic Training Center. They may or may not even be the best sevens players. They 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 don't make a whole lot of money. They, they I think they make what ten or twelve thousand dollars a year or something it's like about, that. It's about twice that, but that's still not. Right, it's about twenty thousand dollars a year. <clears throat> that's not anything that somebody over 
the age of a college student would do well with. That that's not to say that it's it's not something decent, but it's it leads them to think that if there is an opportunity somewhere else, you got to look at it. And I think that in doing that, you're in two minds. And when you're in two minds, then it's just like it's just like when you coach it against a team, you look. You want to put a defender in two minds. You put a defender in two minds, they make mistakes. You want to put an attacker in two minds. You put him in two minds, he makes mistakes. So I, I think that in doing this and in not and not organizing ourselves the way, you know, with our pathways and how we do things and our money situation and all that, that if we don't get that right, it's unfair to the players to expect them not to be in two minds. But I also think that. I also think that we need a better direction for them to we're we're doing a disservice to them. I, I that's just my opinion. And I could be completely wrong. Um I doubt it. But you know, people you know, nobody's ever gonna say I'm right. Let's put it this nobody's going on record to say I'm right. But I'm putting it out there and saying that we're not gonna rock up to the Olympics and do anything. You don't just rock up to the Olympics and win medals. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that I have experience with the New York Athletic Club who actually puts people in the Olympics and they win medals, a lot of them. And they go to our dinners and that's the way it, uh, that's the way, that's the way it is. And I, and, and I'm just saying that if we don't do it better, we're not doing anything. We're not going anywhere. If we don't act better, the the that the thing about the the, the the USA team, we we do have good players. We probably have more than thirty good players or, or, you know, around the country. Uh, we, I I know Pat that you're not a, a huge fan of the ODP pro program, but at the same time, the Olympic Development Program at least it's a start to try and get some players playing some more uh, higher level, potentially international tournaments. If 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 that gets some time to work on it, and we do get some time to to have Alex Magleby work on some players, I mean, what I guess what I'm saying is it's a long term thing, no matter what you do. I I like the players we have on the U.S. national team for the most part. I think the players they have right now are good enough to do very well on the circuit. My issue is, do we have enough good sevens being played that they have they train properly, that they have competition that's good in the uh, in camp. That uh, are we putting them in a position where they can they can play warm up tournaments? We don't have them play warm up tournaments. They should play warm up tournaments. So that, so you know what what I'm looking at is how how are we developing this team, this group? How do we get this group to do better than what they've been doing? I think that there's I think there's a truth to what Bruce is saying. Um, I think that there's there are still some things that need to be fixed. I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, actually. I mean, the reality is there are a handful of guys on the team that think they have a chance to to to, to get a 15s contract, and that's their goal. Um, I mean, I don't think that even they would make a secret about that. And um, you'll see in a column coming out for me in the next magazine talking about that very issue. And if your goal is to get a 15s contract, it shouldn't be through the sevens team that you do that 
that was once our goal. Uh, we used to let's get as many guys playing professionally as we can overseas. That can't be what we our goal is anymore. At least not for the sevens team. The sevens team, if you're going to be on the team, your main motive has to be being on that team, winning games on the circuit. And the only way to up that is more money, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If you have to give these guys a livable wage, do you want to make the equivalent of fifty thousand dollars? living in Italy where you don't know the language and it's a culture shock, or can you make $28,000 and live in the United States and that's more worth it to you? Um, the, the amount of money has to be upped one way or another. And will they get better um, over, you know, in the system that we're in now just by more time with Alex Magaly, more time together, potentially the ODP program? Yeah, they'll get better, but at what rate? Are they getting better at a slower rate than other countries are improving? Because yeah, that's already bearing out. The Canada's improving at a vastly quicker rate than we are. Um, and Portugal has improved at a quicker rate than we have. Spain has improved at a quicker rate than we have. So we will get better, but we won't get better at the rate we need to if we still want to compete. And um, just for the ODP program, I don't know that we've got in depth about it. The only real benefit I see to the ODP program is for uh, those crossover athletes, Right. I know Bruce has a guy named Isaiah Allen, who's an old, if I remember correct, a forward, a Fordham running back or a Fordham football player of some kind. If by putting the official ODP tag on it, it makes going to Columbus or going to Long Beach or going to Glendale or one of these ODP programs uh, more um, palatable because it has that official tag that it's connected with the Olympic program, then great. That'll help. But as far as taking current rugby players and making them better, it's nothing different than those guys going to Belmont or somewhere else. We're just stamping a new, a new, a new. Well, name okay, but re- the point is that it's supposed to be different. The point here, here's the thing about it. The point is that it, it's supposed to be something where uh, they're going to be going to Kenya, that they're going to be going to, to Argentina and play Fiji. Uh, right now, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see that happen at the LVI. Tiger did exactly what they were supposed to do. Right? They, they. They brought in uh, a, a Tiger team that played in the Elite, and then they brought in a Cubs team that played in the next level down. Serevi, uh, well, Serevi Chicago brought in kind of a development team, but Serevi, their main team from Seattle, right? So Serevi uh, brought in a team that was designed to win the men's Elite, was not designed to develop players for the national team. I think that was a shame that they did that. I understand why they did it, but I think I still think it's a shame that they did it that way. So you and and Glendale didn't even send a team, but so you're looking at the different programs and and I, I I'm fine. I, I think that that's that's special. That's different. If if they go somewhere and they do something extra, that's I I think it's still good for a kid coming out of college, a kid with some talent who isn't going to be in, the 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 problem is all right. Let me let me go back for a second. I'd also talked to Paul True, and we talked about some other things. And one of the things he mentioned, Cecil Africa, who was the IRB Sevens Player of the Year not that long ago, took three years to make it to the South African national team once he was brought into the program. And even when he made it to the team, he didn't actually play for another year. We don't have that. We don't have that development thing. It's not, it's not even... You know, what it, what it was is if somebody comes out of college and he's good, what do you do with him for the next three or four years? You kind of hope he goes somewhere where he's not, you know, he's not ruined or he doesn't lose yes. interest. or he's not, But if, if ideally, and I'm not saying that it's happening because I'm not sure if it's happening, the Olympic Development Program is designed to 
give them something that is a taste of international sevens rugby and they feel like they're being looked at, they feel like they're being developed so that at one point someone like, you know, Patrick Blair out of central Washington, who is a really has, has a lot of potential, but isn't, isn't going to be an Eagle in the next one or two or three years has, has a place to go to play. We're going to stay on this topic, but we'll be right back after a quick break here on Rugga Matrix America. Hey, everybody, this is Alex Goff from Rugga Matrix America and RugbyMag.com. And we all know it takes grit and determination just to get to the edge of a rugby pitch. And it takes even more courage, drive, and passion to lock arms with your teammates and rise to the challenge and play in a game at Lauer Family Wines. They know that, too. They have a passion for rugby and a passion for wine. And that passion collides in their Hooker Wines line from Napa Valley, steeped in the tradition teamwork and heroism of the game and their drive inspires them to create wines that honor those who chase their passions in rugby and elsewhere in life get in the match and buy hooker wines online at hookerwines.com okay we're back on rugby matrix america we've been talking about the usa national sevens team and we've been talking about the olympic development program does it work does it not work uh there's some things i'd like to see them do uh but pat i know you've got some strong feelings about it too I understand the theory and I understand how ideally it would, it sounds great. I have huge issues with the, I look at it and say, that ain't going to happen. These guys aren't going to play the X amount of games that were outlined in it. They're not going to travel as much or any more than we ever have. I mean, Tiger rugby has already been playing in Kenya, right? Atlantis has been to how many trillions of countries? They'll be playing in Kenya with players that are developing for the national team, not older guys. Well, Rian Hamilton played for Tiger in Las Vegas. Uh, Atta Malifa played for Tiger in Las Vegas. So it's not like Tiger really changed everything they were doing. Zach Pangelinen played for Tiger in Las Vegas. These aren't up-and-comer, like, could they be Eagles? They're guys that have been Eagles and we already know about. So it's not like they need, you know, it's not, I'm not going to say that it's changed that much because I don't believe it's changed anything. Um, I mean, let's take a good college swing at it, but, I think we'd be a lot better served if we just make a second USA team, make a Falcons team, send the Falcons team to where it needs to do all these different tournaments and let them compete. Okay, and then okay, take so the Falcons team to go and, and scrimmage against against Eagles instead of having four, you know, ODP programs which aren't all that connected to the the actual Olympic team. Let's make the second team and select it like we used to select the Eagles team and give it a little bit of per diem and a little bit of support like we used to do with the Eagles team and see how that works. So but the reality to, is the ODP program, Alex Magleby still isn't selecting the teams. It's still James Walker, or Paul Holmes, or Aaron Manheimer, or whoever else. So to that, USA had a Falcons team at, uh, at Las Vegas Invitational. I think it was a real struggle for Tony Pacheco to get the players um, and there, there are a couple of reasons for that. Uh, three reasons. One, you know, players aren't always available. Number two, there were players that wanted to play for Tiger or some other, you know, Serevi, something like that. So, so here, what you're talking about is you now got the USA team competing with its own ODP teams, which I think is it's a concern. And then the third thing is, this is we're right in the middle of just having launched another great big grand plan that's going to fix everything. And players are suspicious. Well, what is this? Is this just something that you're just asking me if I'm available? So, so because of that, it would, 
I don't know. It, it, it was flawed, but I would like to, you know, we'd like to see that. Part of the ODP program is to have a USA backup team. We'd like to see it, but we're already we're already seeing that they have struggles because I think I think players are a bit suspicious about the whole thing. They're they're they they're not sure they're going to get anything out of it other than it's just hey, could you come out? We we were, we promised we'd be there. Could you come and make up the numbers? Weren't you just saying that Cecil Africa dealt with this three years in a in a similar type of type of ODP thing? Yes, and not and then he and then he went for a year. The bottom line is a lot of the kids that we have coming out of college or coming into these things, they want instant gratification. They're not good enough. They're not fit enough. They're not dedicated enough. They don't work on their skills. They think they should be paid. They can't play worth a shit. And we could act like this is this is all right, but it's not. These guys come out with a sense of self-entitlement, and they haven't done a damn thing. And we could sit and act like that that's not the case, but no, it is. No, that's no, you're right. I, you're not the only one to say it, but yeah. Go on. It's absolutely the case. They're not good enough. Rion Hamilton plays because he's 39 years old and still better than people. Troy Bartley played because he was 39 years old and still better than guys. I guarantee you that guys at the Eagles didn't want to deal with Troy Bartley. You know, I guarantee that guys didn't want to deal with Rion Hamilton. So they get to act like that this is this is nothing. Who, but who, the fact is, who, a lot of these older guys are playing because they're better. And just who won the national all star championship? Sevens national all star championship. What do you say? The, who won who, the national the last sevens national all star championship? Was it the college all Americans? The college all Americans won it. And you I'm know, not saying that they went up against Tiger Rugby or anything like that. But there there is talent, and the reality is. Rion Hamilton is what Rion Hamilton is. If he hasn't been developed by age 39 to be on the Olympic team, he probably shouldn't be on an Olympic development program team that's playing in one of these tournaments right. when Alex Mack will be sitting in the bleachers looking for okay. talent. Can I, can I say something about that? Is there something to be said for having an experienced person on a team who's essentially an on-field coach who tells players who – not not tells them, shows them how to act, who shows yeah, but, them how to behave, who yes. shows them how to perform. Okay, but hold on. It's a very hold on. Bruce. Let me address what you're saying because yeah. you're right. But let me name some of the other players on this team, and you tell me which one of them needs that on-field shepherding. Atamalifa, Zach Pangelinen, Taylor Howden. Uh, which one of those guys really needs it? Mike Teo. You could say needs it, but a lot of these guys are very experienced, very seasoned dudes. Who... Look, I, I'm not going to, I'm just saying that people come out of things with a sense of self entitlement. They are not good enough. They do not work hard enough. They do not train hard enough. They don't work on their skills and they think that they deserve something. Sure. Fact of the matter is, if you're going to wait till you're making a million dollars to become a professional, it ain't going to happen. So what happen, What needs to happen is that younger players who have aspirations need to become professional earlier. They need to act professional earlier. They need to have development earlier. USA Rugby needs to provide education for players and coaches in order to be able to make them help these players become the people that they want them to be. James Walker has it right. 
Now, I'm not going to say that, I mean, I don't know him well enough to say that he's got it completely right. There's a lot of people out there who could do really good things. There's been no support. There's been no pathway. There's been no really development of sevens coaches. There is a real shortfall of sevens coaches relative to the interest in sevens. And that's also not to say oh. that the coaches have aspirations to learn. They will do what it takes to learn. There is nothing there for them. So we're sitting there. I'm not only going to blame the players. I'm not only going to blame the coaches. I think that the whole problem starts from above that we're trying to do everything and doing every and trying to do everything. We're winding up doing nothing. And the fact of the matter is we can talk until we're purple. But what I'm saying is absolutely true. And all right, it, so, uh, I actually ran into someone who was saying uh, in Las Vegas saying the same thing about the players. That there's an expectation, you know, they, the 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 question, the the comment out of out of a player's mouth when he's told, "Hey, you know, I'd like to pick you for this team, this touring team, this select side," is not thanks or you know that's a great honor or I'm excited. It's well, uh, how much? How much am I getting paid? Hey, or you know, how I much? The entirety of people in our generation, Alex, is sick and effing tired of these guys with their hands out. Okay, but you know, hysterical. You, you know who's you can sit there like these guys suck. Okay, they absolutely suck. Okay, okay. Well, that that's been an issue for years. I've been reporting on that kind of stuff where people still think that they they were good. One of the one of the things that that made people really bristle at at Jack Clark and Tom Billups to a certain extent was they would call a spade a spade about the standard of play in this country and people didn't want to hear it. The standard of play uh, was not as good as people seem to think about it. It certainly wasn't as good as people seem to remember it was. Um, but the, the, the other issue is, and this is something Al Caravelli used to say a lot, is that being professional is not mean that you're paid. Being professional is how you act and how you approach what you're doing. And, and I think people, we, and we are, we are at fault as well. We reporters are at fault because we keep talking about there needs to be more money. And I think there does need to be more money, but being paid to play does not make you a professional rugby player. We, we, we fudge that so much and, and professionalism was part of the problem, has been part of the problem in at the Olympic Training Center, as young players are learning what it takes to be to have that expectation, you want to see you want to you should go and look at some of these Olympians and see how hard they work and see, um, you know, see somebody like Ted Ligeti, the the skier, or uh, look at some of those guys who you know wrestled and now they're not able to wrestle in the Olympics starting 2020 because the the the, the guys you know Rulon Gardner and how how hard they worked or any of the other athletes and you think you think those bmx bikers are all about fun and and having a great time and just riding the bike around they work enormously hard and they're great athletes they get paid very very little to do that our attitude as you're right you're the attitude with what what are you going to do for this at least at least has to be spelled out as to what we expect from players because i'm not sure it's it's spelled out because we keep acting like, please come play for us and I'll give you this. Uh, and finally, one thing, I can't believe you made a Troy Bartley reference when we're talking about sevens. And then Troy's got to be shaking his head at this point, saying, would you just I be made, quiet? I made the reference of an older player 
I know, I know, I know but, but still, you have to bring up Troy. Troy. Poor Troy. Troy. Why? Just think about Troy for Troy once. Was, How about his feelings? Troy was a great sevens player. Troy played for <laughs> over sevens. Troy played. Troy was a great sevens player. Absolutely fantastic sevens player. Troy had great. With Troy was the man. I mean, you guys, you know, you guys. You know, sometimes you can say the older we get, we the better we were. Joke, and that and that's fair enough. Not with Troy Barley. Um, the older we get, the sometimes we forget how great he was. Um, I I will say that the difference is in passion. There are certain people who have a passion for what they're doing, so they irrationally stick with it, and that's the thing that makes a great player versus an average ordinary player or a run-of-the-mill guy who walks in. The fact is, if you have a passion, and that's not that's what we're not helping to develop. We can sit and have a slogan encouraging America to fall in love or inspiring America to fall in love with rugby. That's not what we're doing. And until we do that, we're going to have problems. Because these guys come in, they don't have a passion for the game, if it doesn't happen quick, they're on to the next thing. That's listen, that's not a rugby problem. That's a, that's a human problem. That's not a rugby. Everybody knows the kid in high school that had the NBA body that just never gave a crap about practice and never became what he could have become. Everybody knows the guy who under, you know, under put in the effort in, in every sport. That's not a rugby problem. That's not why the USA has lost oh, oh, nine out wait. of the last eleven to Canada. All right. And to get back to the point, of- okay. So, so can I can I, can I, can I finish, I- please? Let me tell you. Stop going for the guy with the forty, and go with the guy with the attitude. Jerry Rice didn't have a great forty, but he had a great attitude. Walter Payton played at a little school, but he had a great attitude. So. Spare me all the nonsense about all the athlete crap. The bottom line is, who's giving you nonsense? It's nonsense. Well, no, but no, but who was giving you well, that? Well, who was giving that? No one was giving you that nonsense. We don't deal with the mentality of the player. The first things first. Mentality and attitude win. That's what wins. If you don't have it, you don't win especially against competition that is even or better. So the number one thing that you need to encourage, foster, and select on is attitude. And we don't have that. Now, we may say we have it, but like I said, my thought is that there's not a singularity of purpose in being a great sevens player. And guys will say whatever they want, but I'd put them on a lie detector test and they'll fail it. I swear to God, I know that's true. Bruce, I am agreeing with you on like okay. 85% of what you're saying. Um, but I just wanted to get back to what Alex... It, it, all I'm saying is this whole Gen Y is the worst generation ever and everybody wants their handout thing. That ain't a rugby problem. That's what everybody says. Oh, in every Pat, I'm sorry. Life. You know what, Pat? I'm totally... I totally get it. I totally get it. And 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 I don't mean to say that, you know, these kids, these young whippersnappers are all, you know, it happened, it happened, it always has happened that guys had their hands out. But I think that what the difference was, 
is that back in a few years ago, people didn't care. People were like, go stuff it, you clown. And now it's just because there's a media behind, not a, a huge media, obviously it's you guys and a few other people that, you know, it there's a hype, almost a, you know, an, in, an, not a not a good hype. Not the, the hype is nonsense. I want to say, don't believe the hype. I I have a poor poor vocabulary and I can't think of a good word. But a lot of players come out with hype that's complete crap. And he used to be the guy would come out with hype. He'd go to practice, get knocked on his ass, and he'd leave, or he'd stick with it. Yeah, and obviously we'd want the guy who sticks with it to stick around. Um, I I think in the end uh, we all end up coming at the same conclusion from different uh, different directions on this. Uh, you know, you've got a development team, an Olympic development team. I don't think it's a problem to have a couple of players to provide veteran leadership, uh, veteran experience like Rian Hamilton, uh, Atta Malifa. Um, I don't think it's a problem to have somebody in his low to mid twenties who is still working toward a national team place like Zach Pantelinen, I don't think that's a problem. Um, I do think we do have the problem in that we push some players to the upper echelon too quickly and then establish establish them there. And I do think that ultimately my my comment about depth, uh, yeah, yeah, there are a lot of athletes in America, and yeah, there are a lot of rugby athletes out there, but is there depth of international caliber players and in, in, in measuring that by their athleticism, by their rugby ability, and also by their character? Are they in training right now? Is there a is there daily competition for places on the national sevens team? I don't think there is. I think there are players right now who you can pencil in no problem. And and I and I think that they're very good players. There are a number of players that I'm really impressed with, but I think they would tell you that if they had more competition every single day, if they were looking over their shoulder, worried about somebody pushing them out, they would become better. And I think the national team would become better. And ultimately, hopefully the ODT, excuse me, the ODP works that way. Uh, but it also has to be in Chula Vista that we have players who are worried about losing their spot and will then continue to raise their game, or if they don't, somebody takes their place. We're out of time. We're very happy to um, have you listen to us. We're very pleased that uh, you listen to the show. Don't forget to check out uh, our sponsors, Rugby Imports and Lauer Family Wines. The USA 7 CRC, June, uh, first weekend in June at PPL Park in Philadelphia, of course. And also check out the rugby site, who'd been a uh, supporter of us as well. Uh, and, and don't forget, look at Oakland Angels on Facebook uh, to look at the uh, um, how you can help the families touched by that tragedy just after the USA 7s. For Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton, this is Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com reminding you to check out Rugby Magazine on our iPad app, on iTunes. You can also listen to this show and previous shows on iTunes. And you've been listening to Rugga Matrix America.